Welcome to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. In this program, we want to encourage you in your Christian faith by showing how scientific evidence supports the Bible, particularly the Genesis account. The book of Genesis lays the foundation for all matters addressed in the rest of the Bible. The nature of God, His sovereignty in creation, man's purpose, sin, marriage, family, and why we need a Savior are all introduced and explained in Genesis. When we see that the first and most foundational book of the Bible can be trusted in all matters, including science, it builds confidence in the rest of the inspired Word all the way to Revelation. On today's show, Dr. Henry Morris III, CEO of the Institute for Creation Research, will cover part nine of a 10-part series on the six days of creation. Here's Dr. Morris. Interesting that after God has created now two days worth of living things from the air creatures and the water creatures to all of the cattle and creepy things and beast of the earth, God focuses attention now specifically to a creature that would bear his image. Listen to the scripture. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man, in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Interesting. This is again one of the creative acts of God. Remember, God created on day one, brought the universe into existence where nothing existed before, made and shaped things on days two, three, and four, and then created life on day five and day six. Now, the Third, most unique act of creation is God creating man in his own image. Theologians and students of Scripture have been pondering this passage for millennia. Just what is it that God created in his own image? Just what is God's image? There are a number of hints in the Bible, but not enough to be completely sure. Some things remain secret with God. God told Moses that way back in Deuteronomy chapter 29. I've given some things for you to know. I've revealed them to you, but the secret things belong to me. The man and the woman, each of whom was specially created in God's own image, were vastly different from the rest of the living creatures. While we share the life of other living animals, our bodies are enormously more versatile and capable than other living things. Human emotion expresses a vast range of feelings and reactions that no animal shares. Intellectually, the human brain far exceeds any animal brain in capacity and ability. While all creation will one day acknowledge the Creator, it is only man who now joyfully worships or consciously rebels. And when the Creator determined to make man, he made only one male and one female. All of the other living animals in the air, in the water, and on and under the earth were made at least in the hundreds of pairs, if not thousands or millions. They were abundant and filled the air, the sea, and the land. Not so with Adam and Eve. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. 
and man became a living being. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Please notice the precise language used in the forming of Adam and the making of Eve. The Holy Spirit specifically used the Hebrew word yatsar to describe the formation of Adam's body. As we discussed much earlier, yatsar is the hands-on verb used to describe personal involvement, like painting something or sculpting something. This was the first man who was unique from everything else that had been made. Then the Creator took some rib from Adam and made a woman. The English translations don't quite do justice to the record. Tesla is the Hebrew word used, and every other time it appears in the Bible, it's translated side. Surely what God took from Adam would have included a rib, but there was muscle and other tissue as well, which is precisely why Adam later said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. In both cases, with the handful in dirt and the pieces of Adam's side, God formed and made independent and unique bodies of Adam and Eve. In everything we have in these records of God's perfect precise and very personal involvement in the creation of Adam and Eve, there is the hands-on, one-on-one, touchy-feely, if you will, involvement of the Creator God to make these unique creatures that would bear His likeness and His image. Those words imply everything from the physical look to the ability to respond and to think and to to think abstractly and to have language and understand thought, all of that's involved in this. And when God uses his own plural name, the Elohim, the, the multiple Godhead, every one of the triune gods were involved in this, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, in bringing about a unique relationship of an image, a form, a being that would share the very quality of God himself. No, we're not God. Scripture is very clear on that. But when God initially made Adam and Eve, they were designed to have perfect, one-on-one, equal fellowship with the great Creator Himself. We're going to take a short break. Dr. Morris will have more on this important topic in a moment. Dinosaurs are fascinating creatures. Seeing their fossils inspires a sense of awe and wonder that sparks the imagination. We're learning more about them all the time, but many questions still remain. Are dinosaurs really millions of years old? Did they live at the same time as humans? How do they fit with the Bible? And why are they extinct today? The Institute for Creation Research addresses these questions and more in their full-color and easy-to-read book, Guide to Dinosaurs. 
Guide to Dinosaurs delves into the history of dinosaurs, fossil discoveries, dinosaur kinds, and what the Bible has to say about these mysterious creatures. It serves as a helpful resource for parents and kids alike. Order your copy of Guide to Dinosaurs from the Institute for Creation Research by calling 800-628-7640 or visiting icr.org. That's 800-628-7640 or visiting icr.org. Welcome back to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. Here's Dr. Morris. Now, once these bodies were made, God blessed them, the Scripture says, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Boy, talk about a job description. You know, when you first enter the job market, you get one of these very long-winded job descriptions telling you all the specific duties that you have, and probably on the end there's this little thing, other duties is assigned. You're just one of the entry-level employees. But as you grow in ability and understanding of what the business is involved, if you're good, you're promoted up the ranks of managerial time and ultimately get a job description that simply says something like, well, make money. That's kind of what the job description was here. Here it is, Adam and Eve. Here's the planet. Enjoy it. Have it. It's yours to use and to make and to subdue. Everything in it is under your authority. Part of the difference of being made in God's image was the unique responsibility of stewardship given to humanity. Essentially, this text sets the stage for the responsibility that all of humanity would carry as long as the earth endures. This stewardship has never been withdrawn or abrogated in any way, except to be somewhat extended and subrogated to collective humanity after the Great Flood. And there's much more to the command than have lots of kids when he says be fruitful and multiply. Yes, that implies having kids. Obviously, both the terms used in the phrase itself imply reproduction. But if all this command signifies is to breed prolifically, there's really not much to it. It's clear that God intended for mankind to take the responsibility of multiplying far more seriously than merely having large families. The pressure to protect and direct the next generation is a God-placed concept in all living creatures— but especially among humans. That instinct to be fruitful and multiply is the fountainhead from which the rest of Genesis' mandate flows. When the Bible records the phrase to fill the earth, the Hebrew word is malay. It's broadly used in the nearly 300 times it's found in the Old Testament. It's used to describe filling a space, as when the locusts filled the Egyptians' houses during the ten plagues. It's sometimes identified the completion of a specific time, like when the seven days were fulfilled after the Lord turned the Nile into blood. But many of the passages dealing with the completing or fulfilling are focused on the, the finish, the product of the promises and the prophecies. Whatever have been their responsibility to humanity and to the animals with the authorization to fill the earth, 
It is certainly clear that God has arranged, if that's the proper word, for his creation to fulfill his plans. When God told them to have dominion, the Hebrew word radah is used some 27 times, always having the basic meaning of rule. The way one rules is determined by the character of the one who rules. When the Creator granted the authority to subdue, conquer, and to have dominion, to rule, He had just brought into existence His image, you and me, who would share regency with Him over the earth in its pristine condition. Those stewards would soon rebel against God's ownership and distort the authority that had been granted. What has happened subsequent to that rebellion, however, in no way abrogates the design and purpose of his good mandate. Thank you for joining us on Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. That's all the time we have for our program today, but we would love to connect with you through our website at icr.org. For over 45 years, ICR has equipped believers with evidence of the Bible's accuracy and authority by showing how science supports the Genesis creation account. Our scientists research the evidence for creation and communicate their findings through books, articles, DVD series, and conferences. Please visit our website at icr.org for more information about the latest scientific discoveries, to subscribe to our free magazine and devotional, and to locate our next creation conference at a venue near you. All of this and more at icr.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, subscribe to Science, Scripture, and Salvation on iTunes. Also, do us a favor and rate and review the show so that more listeners can find us. Thanks for listening, and God bless.